Again, I feel like Easter Sunday was a long time ago. Maybe it's because I spent 10 hours making that video. Did you guys enjoy that video? Yeah, hopefully you guys understood the, the I had to literally re resurrect uh, footage from a year ago. Uh, basically, if you remember, I was asking people to, you know, even though we're at home, let's do uh, Quarantine Got Talents. Basically, to this song, let's all dance. And thank you guys for sending those, those files and for Praise Team and 3T who got who got uh, not strong-armed into it, but, you know, willingly, you know, danced before us. But maybe it's just the whole business of all of that, but I think that, you know, I want us to kind of come back because the reality is Jesus' resurrection is not just a day. It is the most important thing that has happened in human history, and it's something that we carry every day. But specifically, I want to show you that Jesus, for 40 days, did not leave after resurrection, but it did something. Going back to last week, I, remember, I, I shared that one of the many important truths of the resurrection, that the reason Jesus was willing to choose to suffer and die on the cross as a sacrifice of sin was for you, for every single one of you, you, your face, your life, what, you, what this means for you was the drive, was the motivation for him to carry that cross. You were the joy set before him. And the same thing, we saw the first thing on God's mind when he resurrected, he didn't go and do re revenge or go into cosmos and like do some amazing thing, enjoy his glory. No, he simply waited. He simply stopped what he did, what he was doing, and he visited every one of his own starting with Mary Magdalene to disciples, and he was telling them, do not cry because I am alive. So therefore, in that period of 40 days, Jesus was very busy. He was going about doing this very thing. He, his agenda, number one, was how can I restore and renew and revive faith in my disciples, in my people, in my children, who have been downcast, who are in sorrow, who are worried and lost in this moment. Because think about it, after seeing Jesus destroyed on that cross in the most brutal way, most of them were not in a good spot. And the faith was, was barely there. In fact, many of them were confused, afraid. If you look at the scripture, Matthew 28, it says, the 11 disciples met him, and, and it says that when they saw him, they worshiped him, but some doubted. Even if they saw Jesus, they were like, is this really him? Is this a ghost? These thoughts came to my mind. They couldn't believe. John 20 said that, remember when Peter and John, we read last week, that they ran to the tomb and to see that he's not there, and they looked, but they still did not understand from scripture that Jesus had to, had to rise from the dead. So they left wondering. Even though they saw the evidence, they were still wondering, can this be possible? Luke 24 straight up says, they did not believe the woman because their words seemed to them like nonsense. Jesus' resurrection to the disciples in that time seemed like nonsense, like fairy tale. Mark 16 tells us that Jesus appeared to the two men on the way to Emmaus. You might know this story. And he went to their home and broke bread, finally their eyes opened. They also went to the 12 and said, Jesus is alive. But they said they, but they reported to the rest, but it says they did not believe them either. So this is a very, very bad situation. It took Jesus 40 days to do this. And you know what? How urgent was Jesus' mission to tell the gospel? That he not only died on the cross for your sins, but he overcame the death in resurrection. That in 1 Corinthians 15, it says, Paul explains that after Jesus appeared to 12 disciples, he appeared to more than 500 of the brothers and sisters. 
at the same time. Jesus is like, oh my gosh, everyone has lost faith. This is go time. And he goes, boom, and he appears to 500 people at the same time. That is pretty awesome. He's saying, hi, guys, I'm alive. There's no more need to cry. Let's get to work. I want to help. I want you to help me now save the world. So after last Easter Sunday, I don't know about you guys, but for me personally, I was left wanting. Because obviously the meaning of resurrection, you cannot fit it into a 30-minute sermon. But that's when I realized, ah, but that just like the disciples, they needed time. They needed ample time and experience to understand what is the benefit, what is the meaning of the resurrection for us. So if you also, like the disciples, feel like you are perhaps confused or unfamiliar if, about the resurrection, if the resurrection to you seems like something you never think about, something that you don't really want to talk about because it just seems too big of an idea, well, you're not alone, okay? We also need to take time, as much time as we need, to truly see why the resurrection, again, is the most important event that gives your faith and my faith validity. If you do not believe in the resurrection, if resurrection did not happen, your faith is worthless. You're wasting your time right now, and you are living a life that is a fantasy. But we know for sure that he did resurrect. And so for the next month, this month of April, I want to dedicate it to study the resurrection together. Before we move further to our point, first point today, I want to review some of the basics of the cross to get you guys a good foundation to start. The cross and the resurrection spells for us victory. Victory in the fullest sense of that word was achieved last weekend, 2,000 years ago. On the cross, Jesus forgave us. We learned that he paid for it with his blood. He became a sacrifice on our behalf, purchasing us back, ransom. He exchanged you for his life, your sin for his freedom, your, 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 your brokenness for his healing. And we became child of God. But his death, as great as that cross was, was not enough. Why? You needed resurrection. Because through the resurrection, now what that means is he guarantees not just freedom from sin, but by his resurrection, he showed us that he is worthy and that he is able to save you. The resurrection, what it means is it's actually how he defeated and destroyed sin and death once for all. Not only did he pay for sin, but he actually went and said, sin you're done. I am now taking your authority and your pain of death, the power of death. I'm taking it out of your hands, grave, and I'm taking it, and I'm bringing eternal life to the people. Think about it this way. If Jesus died on the, on the cross and he, you know, by his precious blood wiped away your sin, but he was left in the grave, you know what that means? Is you and I were forgiven, but now we have to fend for ourselves. Thank God that you forgave us. That was awesome, Jesus. But now we're alone and we are now back to being afraid of sin and death. Because why sin and death still exist? But the resurrection is our guarantee that there is permanent victory over power and sin. Not only are you forgiven, but the power of sin and death is no longer upon you. You're no longer slave. You are free. And nothing can undo that. Therefore, the cross and the resurrection is a victory in the fullest sense of that word. And you will spend the rest of your life understanding just how powerful was what he accomplished last weekend. 
And the best thing is, both the cross and the resurrection is a gift to you. It is the good news. It's a gift to us. Romans 5, it says, Consequently, just as one trespass resulted in condemnation for all people, so also one righteous act resulted in justification and life for all people. In 1 Corinthians, it describes Adam as the one who was responsible for death. Jesus now becomes responsible for life coming after him. But like I said, it's okay if you're still feeling like Pastor Nguyen. I want to believe that, but I can't. I want to know a little more. It is totally fine. And it's amazing that Jesus spent 40 days meeting the people where they are in their doubt. Remember, especially in the case of Thomas and other disciples, Thomas at least was the one who vocalized it, but others probably thought the same, that when they were in doubt, Jesus didn't say, oh, my gosh, I can't believe it. You don't know what I went through, and this is how you treat me. No, he met them in their doubt, and he said, here, touch my hands, touch my side. It is me. He is willing to meet with you in this moment, in this month, for the rest of your day, when your faith is diminishing, when you cannot see the victory that God gave you, he will say, I want to prove it to you time and time again. So we're in a good place. I just want to share one example. Um, Tim, Tim, Tim Keller, I don't know if you guys know this man. Uh, he's really, really popular, uh, famous. He's, he's written dozens of books. Um, uh, he's from a church in Redeemer Presbyterian in Manhattan. And last year, he was beginning to write this book called Hope in Times of Fear During the Pandemic, uh, The Resurrection and the Meaning of Easter. And the thing is, it's very interesting that last May, as he was writing it, he was diag- diagnosed with stage four pancreatic cancer. So y- you guys might know that's the thing that it's a month to live, not years to live. And, but, but this was his second time facing cancer, right? But here, he, he, in quote, he says, here I am writing a book about the resurrection. And I realized I only half believed I was going to die. I went back and realized that in some ways, I also only half believed in the resurrection, not intellectually so much, meaning intellectually he believed it. It made sense. Everything in the scripture lined up, all the evidence in history, all of that matches up. But all the way down deep in my heart, personally, I realized I needed what? To have a greater and a deeper faith in the resurrection. Here is a pastor of 30, 40 years you know, let thousands of Christ, he's saying, I still need to go a little deeper. He's 70 years old right now. So if he can say that, then all of you guys, yeah, yeah, it's okay. Let's go deeper, both intellectually and mentally. And he says, it took him several months in which I had to take, it, take my abstract belief down into my heart to existentially and experientially know it and grow in assurance. And it worked. That's the beauty that I want us to start with. You might start with doubt. You might start with like, oh, I never thought about the resurrection. <laughs> I, I even didn't know that happened. Maybe some of you guys, someone didn't tell you he resurrected. But the thing is, when you seek it out, he makes it work. It says, if you are willing to embrace the truth of God's word and emerge yourself in it day in and day out, and then ask the Holy Spirit to make it real to your heart, he will. And that is what I can testify in my life. The Lord will again and again and again prove to you, yes, I have given you victory even over that, even over that and that and that and that. And just like that, we have to learn the beauty of this most world-changing reality of Christ's resurrection. Friends, 
It's pure and simple. Resurrection is difficult. Why? Because it's invisible, right? It's something you don't talk about. You don't hear about it in the news, and it's not something that is commonplace. It's something foreign to us. And the thing is, I want us to understand that the question I want to ask today that to, with you guys, something I wrestled this week, right? Because I, just like Tim Keller and many people, right, I believe in the resurrection happened and that it is guaranteed. But the problem that many of us probably uh, wrestle with and stumble on resurrection is, what is the point of the resurrection now? Because all of us can agree, yeah, one day if somehow I die old or accident or I don't know, just, I just die, I am certain that Jesus who forgave me, died for me, and resurrected, he will resurrect me into new life. I know that's going to happen. But what does it mean for me now? And how can I benefit from his resurrection now is a question I want to ask us today. And that's why today I read a passage from the life of Apostle Paul, who probably in all of the Bible, right, post-resurrection shows the epitome of what it means to live in Christ's death and resurrection. So let's discover how his faith and hope in the promise of resurrection influences life on a daily basis. Today's passage says this, It is written, I believe, therefore I have spoken. It's a, when I first read it, I'm like, I don't get it. <laughs> but then as I looked, he's referencing to Psalm 116. And you can go home and write it. I, I wrote it down in, the, in one of the passages that, uh, for further meditation on the bulletin. But this comes from verse 10 of chapter 116. The psalmist, we don't know who it was, but this psalmist that Paul is quoting right now, this is what happened to this psalmist's life in 116. He said in verse 3, The cords of death entangled me. The anguish of the grave came over me. I was overcome by distress and sorrow. So this psalmist went through something in life that was like death. That was very close to death. Something distressing, some sorrow, some anguish. But he's writing a psalm today because he's saying in verse 4, Then I call on the name of the Lord, Lord, save me. So despite the affliction he was under, he had the faith to reach out to God and say, Lord, save me. Interesting, that is the literal translation of the name Joshua, Yeshua, God save now. And the, and the verse 5 says what happened as a result of this. It says the Lord is gracious and righteous. God is full of compassion. The Lord protects the unwary. When I was brought low, he saved me. So the passage that Paul is referring to here is Psalm 116. Somebody who almost went to death, but God saved them in their affliction. So Paul, if you look at 2 Corinthians, he is talking to his church that he gave birth to, that he literally poured out his life to do, was being misled, was being uh, uh, misguided. And he, Paul, was establishing Again, the core of why he is still loving them, why he is still following Jesus. I want to, um, so therefore what he's quoting here is he's quoting that faith that this psalmist had in 116, that he held firm to his faith and was vindicated, and therefore he was able to praise God. So what Paul is saying is here is, I also went through afflictions, but despite it, I believed, and therefore I have spoken, meaning 
I have shared the gospel with you. I want to talk about really briefly what are the afflictions that Paul went through. Truly, how much suffering did Paul go through? Here we go. It says in, uh, for example, 2 Corinthians 11, verse 23 to 28, he says, I was in harder labor than he's talking about the other fake uh, apostles that were trying to take away the Corinthian church. And he says, I was in more imprisonments, in worse beatings, in frequent danger of death. Paul's life was haphazard, to say the least. He says, five times I received from the Jews the 40 lashes minus one. The very lashes Jesus got, he got it five times minus one to, to make sure he doesn't die. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Stone means literally, it's, stone is not a recreational thing. It's like you stone them until they die. So they probably thought he was dead. Three times I was shipwrecked. Three times. I spent a night and a day in the open sea. In my frequent journeys, I have been in danger from rivers and from bandits, in danger from my countrymen and from Gentiles, in danger in the city and in the country, in danger on the sea and among false brothers, in labor and toil and often without sleep, in hunger and thirst and often without food, in cold and exposure. Apart from these external trials, I face daily the pressure of my concern for all the churches. And he had all the churches in Ephesians, Corinthians, Philippians, and now even eventually in Romans. So this man knows affliction. But what is it that allowed Paul to not quit? If some of you guys went through these things, you might say, oh my gosh, this Christian life is hard. I think I'm going to call it quits. I'll just go back through the grave and take my old, uh, resurrect my old flesh and just leave Christ. What made Paul be able to reach that final goal? What made him victorious was his faith. In the resurrection. Look what it says. The verse continues. It says, since we have, that's his, we means him and the, uh, his, his uh, fellow pastors that travel with him. He says, and, and that helped his church, Apollos and, and others. Since we have that same spirit of faith, that same spirit of faith means even you're facing death. The faith of, 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 of Psalms 116 was this guy was facing death, but he, said, he didn't call it quits. He said, God saved me, and the Lord did, and he continued his life. He says, we have the same spirit of faith. We also believe and therefore speak, meaning he's not going to stay silent. He's going to speak and share this gospel, even if it costs him his life. Why? Verse 14, this is what made him able to be victorious. He says, because we know that the one who raised the Lord Jesus from the dead will also raise us with Jesus and present us with you to himself. For Paul, resurrection was not something you just kind of go through your life, you try your best, you know, things happen, you kind of adjust, you know, you just kind of choose what's right, you know, democratic, you know, like free to free world, you know, free speech, you just kind of go, through, oh, there's person, no, resurrection wasn't something you wait for, resurrection was something that guided him today to do crazy things, that's what allowed him to bring salvation to literally thousands and even to us now. He could not have done it if he did not believe this, that the one who raised the Jesus, Lord Jesus from the dead, will also raise us. That faith, that hope made him alive, made him continue. So what, what does he say next? Therefore, we do not lose heart. No matter what crazy thing is thrown in our way, as a Christian, as a follower of Christ, I do not lose heart. I do not quit. 
He says, though hourly, and here's a secret that he discovered about this resurrection that I want to share with you. This is a key verse. He says, though outwardly we're wasting away, and he really was wasting away. If you look at his back, 40 lashes, five times, that's a lot of scars and hunger and whatever, you know. Uh, being naked, being cold, being, being uh, imprisoned, being, going in hunger, he was outwardly wasting away indeed. Life was not easy, and just like all of us, we know, we try to our best, but life is wasting us away, right? Nowadays, more electronically than anything else. But he says, yet inwardly, we're being renewed day by day. This is what Paul experienced on a day basis because of the resurrection of Jesus. This is what got him through this life victorious, because though outwardly, everything is going wrong. People you love are dying opportunities are going away. You're trying to go one place and you're misdirected and you are shipwrecked. You are bandits or are, are doing injustice. You are oppressed. You are, you are being beaten. But inwardly, you're being renewed day by day. Something because of the resurrection, Paul realized. Outwardly, it sucks. But inwardly, it's unstoppable. Renewed, made new every day. Something that is eternal. So therefore, he confesses, verse 17, for our light and momentary troubles, funny he calls it light and momentary troubles of all the things I just read. He says, are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. I highlighted the word achieving for us because this is the secret of the resurrection I want to give to you. If you are someone who believes in Jesus and believes in the power of his resurrection, the promise of his resurrection, you will, like Paul, be crazy. Crazy by the standard of the world. They're like, why are you doing that? Why are you selling your house and giving it to that work of God? Why are you spending your Sunday church? Why are you fasting? Why are you forgiving the person who kills a member of your family? Why are you being a servant to this unservable person? It's because for you, the truth is now because you believe in the cross and the resurrection of Christ, nothing on the outside, no circumstance can stop you. And here, what's a bonus is this. For if that is you, if that is who you say, if you are a person that says, God, I want to be your disciple. I'm going to die every day to my will, and I'm going to carry my cross, follow you. This is a blessing that is only available to you who believe. Your troubles are working for your benefit. Let me say that again. If you believe in resurrection, now the troubles that you face, non-believers face, all of us face in life, even death, for us now, if you believe in resurrection, every evil thing that the world has provided, every evil thing that you deserve, every evil thing the enemy is doing, now because of your faith in the resurrection, now is achieving for you glory. It converts. Somehow God, he sees that you are willing to go through the troubles for the sake of Christ because you are not afraid to die because you have, you have faith in the resurrection. Then what he does is every trouble that comes your way, death of someone you love, financial trouble, physical trouble, emotional trouble, feeling neglected, isolated in life, suffering through life. If you have faith in resurrection, he's able to use that for your benefit. That's what made Paul crazy in the eyes of the world, but so wise and such an example for us in Christ. So he says, so we fix our eyes 
not on what is seen. Never again from believing the resurrection, from that moment, Paul never looked at the circumstances and allowed that to impact him. But he says he kept his eyes on what is unseen because what is seen is temporary and what is unseen is eternal. Perhaps this will help explain this a little better. This is your life, brown. The flesh, I chose brown on purpose. Kind of, we're just, we're literally a pile of dirt right now, just being sustained by whatever's left of the breath of God in us, right? Someday it's gonna expire. That's the reality of our flesh. We're all gonna expire, we're all gonna waste away. Some faster, some later. But there's an end, right? There's an end to our life. Now we know very well that's not the only thing. The good news is by faith, simply by faith, now you can transcend that boring bag of dirt life into the new eternal life that's with the Holy Spirit. That's what salvation is. The moment you believe, just like Justin, before he got baptized, that moment of repentance, God says, you're good enough because I pay for it. And now you are walking in this life. So every one of us, we have this dual life. We have our flesh continuing. It's expiring. But the moment you believed in Jesus, you began, on, your eternal life has begun. So we are in a, in a yes, both and existence right now. None of us can just say, I just want, I don't want the flesh. I just want the Holy Spirit. No, 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 no. You have to deal with both. You have to learn how to work, how to, how to decrease the flesh, how to increase the spirit, okay? Now, we know that that time is limited, right? See the inside those two lines, the end, right? The end could be you dying, you know, before Jesus, or it could be the end, like in our lifetime, Jesus, Jesus coming back the second time. But this is what the promise of resurrection does for us. Look at this. What Paul re recognizes is this. Okay, let me go back to this slide here. In between that life, right, we have a choice. We have a choice to say, you know what? I just want my expiring old flesh just to be as happy, as comfortable, as easy as I can. You can continue to live that way. Even if you are, if you, even if you have the spiritual life, of Jesus in you, you could just let the red just, just continue, just, just, just a trickle of, of faith in Jesus. And you can just kind of work on your health. You can work on your flesh, right? As the world says, right? The world says, eat better, buy organic, right? It says, uh, 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 go on a vacation, like meditate, do yoga, like go hiking, like breathe, exercise, you know, take vitamins, right? Yeah, okay, do that. You have a choice to say, I'm going to build my flesh. I'm going to try to maintain this until it expires very easily. That could be your focus. Or you could say, you know what? I don't care what the flesh is happening. I don't care what my situation is. I'm going to focus on what Christ gave me. And the thing is, Paul realized that many of us are losing the opportunity. Like I said, if you believe in the resurrection, that suffering, that middle spot is suffering because the flesh and the spirit, they're constantly at war. That that part that's, you know, think about it. Before you came to Jesus, your life was kind of okay, right? It was just evil. Just everything was dark. So you didn't know. So you, you were kind of okay just kind of walking through it. But the moment light comes on, you're like, oh my gosh, I see all this CRAP in my life and I don't know what to do. And now you're at struggle because God is saying this is the way and, the, and your flesh is saying this is the way. And so you're struggling. And so in that place, many Christians think I can't wait for the resurrection. I can't wait for this to be over. I've seen so many people saying in 2020, I wish Jesus returns early. But I realize no, we want him to delay for two reasons. One, because there's people who have not heard. But secondly, we have not understood that if you believe in Jesus, 
God works those evil things for your good, and he wants that to be a gift to you. And I'll explain. Here it is. Right now, the moment you believed in Jesus, the power of resurrection came upon you, but it was only spiritual resurrection yet. There's coming a day when you die or when Jesus comes that it will be spiritual and physical. Many of us are wanting to fast forward to that part. But the problem is you don't have an opportunity to grow in who you are once Jesus comes. Because there's no more choice. There's no more, there's no more how should I say, ability to love God when there's so many other options. So in this limited time that you have, and I hope you, you have a lot of time because you want it, because that's an opportunity in that time between your faith and the end that Paul realized, wow, the troubles that I see here, they're not to avoid. They're to welcome. Because if they're standing in the way of me following Christ, I'm going straight through. I don't care if it kills me, I'm going to go straight through because I'm following Jesus. Why? Because that's an opportunity for your spirit person to grow your character and your reward in your life to come to come. So it's God's mercy that he's waiting, allowing you to repent and, let, and learn how to destroy your flesh while your inside is being renewed every day. Kind of hard to understand, but that's why we need some time to understand this complicated thing about resurrection. But that's the beauty that God has given to us. This faith is a gift that he has given us what faith ultimately in Jesus does to you is it looks at the life that you have and no longer do you let the scene, the circumstances affect you. But the faith allows you to walk right into it unaffected. You set your path, you are free, and you're willing to suffer even if that is a way of life because you believe in the resurrection. If you didn't believe in the resurrection, be careful. Stay away from danger. Stay away from risk. Stay away from discomfort. Just be comfortable. But what are you left with? Bag of dirt. But God is saying, no, 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 no. The reason I let evil still exist is so that you, by faith, can take on the evil. And like I overcame and was victorious over evil, you too can make a choice to step into evil and break the evil instead of run around it. Therefore, today in our passage, Paul said, Therefore, we do not lose heart, though outwardly we're wasting away, yet inwardly we're being renewed day by day. Look at that verse again. What Paul is saying, I realize it. Resurrection. Because of resurrection, I am willing, I am able now to jumpstart my benefit of resurrection. Right? I can invest into who I really am. I can invest into that red eternal life and let go of this brown life that is ending. The brown life is not going to dictate or limit my red life. But who I am in Christ, even though it means going against stream, even if it means isolation, loneliness, I am willing to go because I, this is Jesus that I want to follow. This is the glory that I want. The reason why I say this to you guys is, as, as Paul says, so we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen. Since what is seen is temporary, what is unseen is eternal, that unseen is what faith is. Faith is hope in what we do not see. It's being certain of what we hope for, meaning it's not here yet. But God is saying, I want you to enjoy this temporary uh, time of struggle and activate your faith and grow in your faith and realize you do not overcome when Jesus comes. You overcome the same situation, the things, the circumstances, the people, the situation that were 
were like toxic to you, you don't have to run away. Now, by faith, you suffer. You go right through it, knowing that even if you die for the glory of Jesus, I believe in resurrection. What does faith grant us, therefore? It grants us the power and the, and the power to be able to go through all things in life without being shaken. There's nothing, when you believe in the resurrection, there's nothing impossible, nothing too scary, nothing too difficult, nothing too costly to do for the glory of Jesus and for your eternal benefit. You got to think very hard right now. Do you look at your brown life, your flesh as all that you have? Then let that be your all and let you be buried with that brown temporary seen thing. Or you can say right now, you choose what's unseen and what you will receive as a benefit of that is that brown thing now. The, the hard things now become to, as Paul replied, uh, uh, Paul confessed, his glory in exchange, right? Achieving for you an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. The faith, therefore, in Jesus becomes an invincible hope, eternal hope, and it's only available to those who believe in Jesus. If you do not believe in Jesus, you cannot even dream of overcoming your brown life, your temporary troubles. You will simply suffer and try your best, and that is it. But Jesus says, no, 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 eternal life starts now, and I have, I have invited you to it. I don't know about you guys, but as you look at news these days, it's kind of crazy. You know, it's like, it's like, it's like the unseen evil stuff is now becoming seen more and more. The human condition, the, the poverty, the brokenness, uh, you know, shootings, right? Shootings are happening all over. Even last night at Kahala, I don't know if you guys know, but um, I, don't, I, I didn't follow up on the news from last night, but someone was in the Kahala Hotel uh, I guess he, he was shooting the gun. I don't know if he killed anybody, but the police were, you know, they had to lock down the hotel. Uh, hopefully no one died. But, but more than that, we've heard so many shootings nowadays of people, you know, mass shootings or in smaller scales. And I read a story about one of the shootings that happened the weekend of Easter in Texas. Uh, there was a man, there's a boy, a 19-year-old Texan um, named Farhan Tawid. Uh, he was Muslim, uh, he's, um, but he ended up making a, a murder-suicide pact with his older brother, killed their parents, sister, and grandmother over last weekend. Uh, and he left a suicide, suicide, su suicide, suicide note uh, shared on social media that he was unhappy with his life. And the life he concluded isn't worth living without happiness. Isn't that kind of the, what that brown life really is like, be happy, be happy. You're not happy, oh, I'll try harder. Be happy, oh, you're not happy, oh, shoot. Yeah. But this guy literally decided that temporal life is not worth it. So he ended it for him and for his family. Uh, basically, uh, he, um, that's, he, he, said, he said this. He said, let's start with the meaning of life. Everyone thinks the meaning of life is a deep, unsolvable mystery. But the conclusion I came to is really simple. The only reason for existence is happiness. In fact, every decision you make is solely because it contributes to your overall happiness, he wrote. Then he pointed to choices, you know, that, that everyone does, is, you know, whether it's going to school or even worshiping God. He's saying it's ultimately for you to be happy, okay? So because of that, you know, he, uh, he, was, he had depression for, uh, for some time, and he, he and his brother said, you know what? 
if we can't overcome this struggle uh, of not being happy and depression within a year, let's just kill ourselves and our family. And they, they decided to kill their family because in their twisted mind, they thought, if we just kill ourselves, the parents are not going to be happy. Therefore, logic says to make them happy, kill them. So after a month of not being able to overcome their depression, uh, the brother decided to kill their family in, in, that, in that sense. First of all, as I share this, I really want to take seriously those who are struggling with depression as they may be, reach out. And if you know someone, let's take that serious. Let's battle with them. Let's, let's, uh, let's involve ourselves, become available to our others in that. But can you think about this brother's life and his family? Because for them, they had nothing. They, all that their life was the scene, the brown. And if the brown sucked, then their logic was, there's no point. That's kind of what we have without faith in Jesus. But faith in Jesus' resurrection, as we're going to discover in the next coming weeks, is that he has given us a different life that starts now. That the loneliness, depression, the suffering, even losing people you love, that is horrible, that makes you unhappy in this life, can be used by God to benefit you and to bring about a glory that first surpasses this world. Therefore, you get to choose today, am I going to invest in trying to make my outward, my circumstances, people around me to not be, what's the word that, that, that we used, to waste away? Or are we going to choose to focus on the inside and protect the faith that we have at no cost, at no risk? So it makes Christians crazy enough to do the crazy, amazing things that God is lay before you for your new life that your old flesh cannot. Paul made that decision and he realized this is worth living. And I, I can tell you with all of my life, it is so worth it. You cannot see it in the beginning, but once you walk in this faith of resurrection, deciding where to go, what to do in life, not based on the scene, the temporary, but allowing God's eternal to di direct you and the temporary not be no longer affect you, but you affecting the temporary Life is so worth living. Friends, we have to be a witness of this resurrection. We have to show the world there's an unshakable, indestructible, immovable hope because of what Jesus did. I close with this in, in Colossians 3, 1 through 4. It says, since then you have been raised with Christ. It's important what Paul is telling about the truth. You were already raised with Christ. I'm here, Paul. No, he means the spirit, your, your, your deposit of your, your, your flesh is coming. But until then, there's a mission you have to do to set your hearts on things above where Christ is seated, seated at the right hand of God, set your minds on things above, not on earthly things, for you died already with Christ and your life is now hidden with God in Christ. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you will also appear with him in glory. This is what the, the, this chart I made explains that your physical body in Christ is coming, but you don't have to wait till then because who you are fully in Christ in the unseen is already here. As I said, we're going to spend more weeks talking about the resurrection, but I want to close with this because the truth is, as I was struggling with the meaning of this, what is seen and unseen, how does that work? A part of me was like, man, but we don't get to see the tangible things of resurrection. Really? No. That's what you can easily conclude. But the truth is, if you do live in this faith, 
That's the, that's the miracle work of God. When you decide in your life, I no longer will live by the brown, by the outside, by circumstances, what people say. I'm going to live from the inside, what Christ has set before me. And there's no cost too costly in following him, to sacrifice for him. If that is you, there is always, as Jesus restored Thomas's faith, as Jesus has restored a disciple's faith, that there is something he will do. What's interesting is in the end of those gospel things, it says Jesus did many more miracles to help them believe. <laughs> we, just surfed, we just scratched the surface of how unbelieving they were, but God says, you know what? I'm going to show you here. I'm going to show you this too. And God is saying, it's true, it's true. And the way that the Lord does that to the point where you rise up as a victor and nothing in life will shake you, neither death, neither curse, neither disease, neither financial struggles, nothing will take you off the path. And you will say, I will now invest myself in what is the glory that is coming before us. <sighs> Knowing this, I was so blessed. It was honestly kind of hard to navigate through the meaning of this. And again, this is something I'm willing to talk with you because we need to go deeper and greater into this reality just like that. 30, 40, 70-year-old uh, pastor Tim, Tim, Tim Keller was saying. But it's so amazing because if this is true, then it means that, therefore, nothing in life leads us to worry. His word is true. We can rejoice always. We can give thanks in all circumstances. We can pray continually without ceasing. This is the will of God for you. So can you stand in this hour? Let's pray together. Father, right now, I ask you to now show yourself. Would you now, by the word, the gospel spoken, would you now move in the families that are gathered here? Jesus, for so long, we did not understand the power of resurrection that is now in our lives. And we continued our lives like slaves to sin. We continued our lives like broken by temptation. We continued our lives like we are cursed, like we are hated, like we are condemned. We continued in those lives because of what we see because of what we feel, because of what the news says, because of what is happening in this temporary world. But in the name of Jesus, give us the faith that sees the resurrection now, that I have overcome now. And by this spiritual resurrection, Lord, I will dare to, Lord, make my decision despite what I see. Guide us, Lord. Give us the confidence. And as you've done to your disciples after the resurrection, would you restore our broken faith? Would you restore our non-existent faith? Would you give us faith? Lord, would you allow us to maybe be uh, frustrated, frustratedly hungry about understanding, God, what is the purpose of resurrection in my family now? How can there be new hope in my financial situation now? Can you show me a glimpse, a sign that this is true? Brothers and sisters, receive that right now. If your faith is lacking, the Lord, he says, it is more blessed if you do not see and believe because greater is the growth and the greater is the reward for you. But, but if you need to see, he will show you. If that is where you are, let the Lord resurrect your faith in this hour. Jesus, we want you to stay. And thank you that you already have. We want you to teach us how the resurrection has changed everything for us. And how the resurrection means the troubles in my life. They're not here to derail me. They're here to propel me 
into glory. And let us fight together through the sufferings, through the trials in this life, through the afflictions, and proclaim what the psalmist did in 116. I have believed, therefore I have spoken. God, thank you for everlasting grace. In the name of Jesus we pray.